0: In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about the language of boobs, exploding facial hair, costume changes, and mistakenly pouring one out for a wear possum. In our discussion of Tantalize by Cynthia Lydick Smith. Hey everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult and sometimes other books, series, authors, voice actors, and illustrators that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda.
1: And I'm Claire. And today we're going to discuss Tantalize by Cynthia Ladick-Smith.
0: Standard disclaimer. If you haven't read this book, it came out so long ago, I don't even feel sorry for you. Please remember (laughs) that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book. Then come back. If you haven't in this point, pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. Seriously, it came out in 2007. (laughs)
1: Late to
0: the party.
1: I am very late to the party. I have not read this and honestly had not heard of this. Otherwise, I would have read it before now.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure when we finally decided to cover this one, because I read it when it came out a million years ago, whatever, um, I'm pretty sure that I was like, Claire, it has a vampire restaurant and a wear possum. And you were like, Yes.
1: I need to know nothing else. <laughs> That's
0: the end. Just, just That's tell the me end of, it of that sentence. It's on the schedule. Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: End of sentence. Yeah. Carry on talking about the weather or something. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Give me some background information because we have a. We need to dig into this one. We
0: do. We do. So, the background info for this one came from the author's note in the back of the book. It says In Bram Stoker's Dracula from 1897, readers meet a hero named Quincy P. Morris, a Texan described as a gallant gentleman. Ultimately, Morris helps destroy Dracula by plunging a bowie knife into his heart as Jonathan Harker cuts Dracula's head off. Though Morris dies too, Harker and his wife Mina later call their infant son Quincy in their late friend's honor. Perhaps because I, the author, live in Austin, Stoker's choice of a Texan for one of the novel's heroes has long intrigued me. Though my mythology and sensibility deviate, the naming of my Quincy P. Morris is a tribute to one of Stoker's original vampire hunters, updated and gender flipped. Quincy became my 21st century hero, a young woman wrestling with an after-school job, first love, and one hell of a drinking problem, which is my favorite line of that entire thing, because holy crap, how much wine does she drink in this book?
1: Well, I, I, it, I do have a note about this. Yes.
0: I'm glad. I'm we, glad we that you have a note. Up
1: in the discussion. Yes. Because we, we, we we're having far too many discussions before this. We really 11. are. We really <laughs> are.
0: Um, So let's just move over to initial thoughts. And I'm pretty sure I already said all of this, but I'm just going to say it again. This is late to the party. And that I remember listening to this one when it came out and Vampire Restaurant and possum was all I really remembered and um, yeah I said all that but I will add to this I was not disappointed to read it again <laughs>
1: I'm going to add that this story is um, I think best described as unique yes and <laughs> There were moments things were happening and I was listening to this at work, in the office. And the office I work in is deathly quiet. Nobody talks to each other. Some people have headphones on, some people don't. And there was a couple of times I had to stop and explain what my reactions (laughs) were to. And like the directors and senior executives may have been walking past at some inappropriate moments, so (laughs) there you have it.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. Let's get into the summary. When they were in middle school, Quincy (sighs) and Kieran sat on the railroad tracks very romantically.
1: Don't do this. Don't do that. It's dangerous. Don't sit on railroad tracks. No, seriously. Oh my God.
0: All Quincy wanted was for Kieran to act on liking her back, because she's pretty sure he does. She makes sure to sit close, mashing her newly formed middle school boob up against him and everything. Then she tries to hold his hand. Tentatively, she curls her fingers around his, but then they hear the train and Kieran partially wolfs out, his claws piercing straight through Quincy's hand. Damn it! Who knew liking a wolfman boy would be so difficult? Oh,
1: it's hormones, man. That's a bad
0: time. (sighs) So many hormones.
1: Well, now they're in high school. Hormones are still raging, really. And Quincy is still in love with Kieran. But she is also in love with her family's soon to be reopened opened Italian restaurant. Mm, Italian restaurant. The restaurant used to be called Fat Lorenzo's but after Quincy's parents died in a car crash and a newer, bigger Italian restaurant opened just down the road they decided they needed to do something different. Now run by Quincy's Uncle Davidson until she turns 21 they've decided to um, <coughs> revamp the restaurant. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> moustache, oh, oh. In just a few weeks Sanguinis, the first vampire-themed restaurant in Austin, Texas, will be opening. Unfortunately, Faggio, the longtime chef, is having trouble making the vampire part of his menu shine. But he's still got time. He sends Quincy off, suggesting she profess her amour for Kieran, but then the phone rings.
0: Quincy leaves the kitchen to answer it, but there's no one on the
1: other end of the line.
0: Oh, no! no. Ooh. Ooh. Quincy goes to the break room of the restaurant to watch a wolf documentary while waiting for Kieran to arrive. She's tried all sorts of things to tip him over the line from best friend to boyfriend, but nothing has worked. Not even the super thin, super sheer tank top she wore braless in the air conditioning. Look, maybe he's not a boob guy, Quincy.
1: Maybe, maybe, just throwing this wild, wacky suggestion out into the ether, you talk to him.
0: No, you just put your boobs out there.
1: Right. I mean, I've never had problems in that regard, so... I
0: have. But it's fine.
1: Hashtag first world problem.
0: Kieran shows her lots of affection, and it seems he really does have feelings for her, but ever since the railroad tracks, it also seems he's being extra careful around her on account of his wolf madness. Lost in her snack of habanera olives and watching wolves mating, Quincy doesn't notice that Kieran has arrived until she hears his panicked shouts for her. Quincy runs to the kitchen to find that Kieran is okay. Whew! Um, But Vaggio? Not. It looks like he's been mauled by a wolf. Uh-oh. But was it a werewolf or a vampire who has changed forms? Either way, Vaggio is dead and Quincy is freaked out. Very action.
1: Kevin takes Quincy to a hotel down the road so they can call the police. They also try Uncle Davidson, but he still seems to be out with his new girlfriend, Ruby. The police arrive officers Bartok and Matthews and begin questioning Kieran and Quincy but then they take them down to the station and separate them to question them further they ask Quincy what hospital she was born in so it's a not so subtle make sure she's not a were person question the wares don't go to hospitals so Kieran even though he's only a wolf man a half wolf won't be able to answer the question Which won't look very good, since everyone is pretty sure Vaggio was killed by a wolf. At
0: Vaggio's funeral, Quincy finds out that her 60-plus-year-old friend and stand-in grandfather has had five different girlfriends. And they're all there at the funeral. But it's fine, because they're all really nice and precious, and they all love each other immediately. Not quite as lovely, though stunningly beautiful, is Uncle D's girlfriend, Ruby. She's a living vampire, aka a wannabe vamp, and she and Uncle D are laughing off to the side and being really inconsiderate of this entire situation. Later, Quincy and Kieran are snuggling together, and she tells him that she's scared because the killer could still be around. She doesn't tell him However, that she low-key thought it was him after leaving the police station and that that thought still lingers in the back of her mind. She plans on carrying her late grandpa's gun with her from now on. Karen has some ideas of who could be responsible and thinks that Quincy carrying a gun is a terrible idea. But she doesn't want to talk about anything right now. She doesn't want to talk
1: at all. Communication, Quincy. Mm-mm. No, it's boob communication. Communication. You know, there's the language of flowers. Language of boobs. The
0: language of boobs. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we'll have to work on that.
1: Yeah, we we'll can. Co- we can. We'll author the book on it. We will. There'll be diagrams. <laughs> <laughs> A week after Vaggio's death, Quincy is put in charge of the new chef, even though they haven't hired one yet. The restaurant gets tons of prank phone calls and even more faxes with resumes that are mostly garbage, which, if anything, is going to age a book. It's the, the use of a fax machine will.
0: It's the faxing.
1: Uncle Davidson toys with the idea of renting the restaurant space out, but Quincy protests and Uncle D relents. Quincy goes to Kieran's house after and is greeted by his dog, Brazos, and his mum, who used to be best friends with Quincy's parents. Before going upstairs to see Kieran, Ms. Morales talks about when Kieran turns eighteen, he's going to have to go off and join a wolf pack, which might be weird since he can't fully transform. Quincy doesn't want him to go though.
0: No, and she's showed one nipple fully and the other one. Half, and one is lifted up higher than the other, and that is the signal that she does not want him to go.
1: Well, we'll, we'll best make ignore this for the language of boobs. That will really yes,
0: yes. Also, didn't
1: we talk about something where there was a wolf man once? Was it with the Suki Stackhouse? But we kind of made it a bit weird.
0: Yeah, probably because Jason have, a,
1: have that ticking in the back of your mind. Yeah, Jason Stackhouse oh, was, a were- was a wolf. Panther. Yeah, he was a he was he was a werepanther. Panther. He
0: was a, panther. Was a panther. panther man. Right. Yeah, yes. yeah. Kieran tucks his little sister, Megan, in bed, and then Quincy tries to put the moves on him. But he says he doesn't want to hurt her. Then Quincy embarrassingly trips on a highlighter and falls into the waterbed, which further dates the book. (laughs) Things get worse when Kieran confesses he thinks a vampire killed Vaggio, drawn to the restaurant by its vampire theme. He hates Vampires. Quincy gets mad, but she's really mad about Kieran leaving and not wanting to make out with her.
1: She is so horny.
0: She really, really is. Before they can argue too much about that, Kieran thinks he smells something and takes off. Downstairs, Brazos is barking like crazy, and when Quincy gets down there, Kieran says he smelled someone spicy. Ooh. Maybe a man? Maybe a cat? Uh Uh-oh. Dogs and cats do not get along. School starts
1: in just a few days and Sanguinis opens in about a month, so Quincy has to get busy because no one good has applied for Vaggio's head chef position. The rest of the staff is easy and most worked at the restaurant when it was Fat Lorenzo's, but the chef is the most important. Quincy is determined to find someone good, so she goes to the restaurant where she does all her schoolwork and work and work, but
0: someone is already inside. Then a hand clamps down on her shoulder. The hand belongs to local harmless vagrant, Mitch. He's been coming by the restaurant for years, getting leftovers, and now he's going to hang out with Quincy while she calls the police. When they arrive, everyone learns that the stranger in the kitchen is the new head chef, Henry Johnson, hired by Uncle Davidson earlier that day. It sure would have been nice and a lot less embarrassing if he had told Quincy that. (laughs) Henry's a regular-looking cowboy type, but wait, are all his teeth pointy? No, no, no. Those are just fake teeth that he was trying out to work on his vampire aesthetic. Which, of course, I love very, very much. Everyone knows how I feel about fake teeth. They plan to meet the next day with Uncle D to get to work. Uncle Davidson barely
1: does anything, exhausted from a night out with Ruby, but Quincy immediately starts working on Henry's vampire persona. But Uncle D suggests Ruby could do that, or even be the vampire ruler of the restaurant. No! Ruby isn't even a part of the family, so Quincy doesn't want her to have anything to do with the restaurant. Luckily, Henry seems to agree and tells Uncle Dee that he and Quincy can handle it. Today, he's tried out lavender contact lenses, but they aren't working. Maybe red next time, and a cape. The patrons of the restaurant will stay, take this all very seriously, so they have to do a great job convincing everyone that Henry really is a vampire. I don't feel like a cape is a practical thing to wear in a kitchen. No, no capes. I don't even think fake, te- fake teeth are a practical thing to wear in a kitchen.
0: I mean, unless they're really good
1: ones. They've got to be solid in there. Yeah. Know? And you've got to be able to shout, because don't all chefs shout?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure they do. Okay, first thing they've got to do to convince everyone that he's a real vampire is change his name from Henry Johnson, because that does not sound like a vampire name at all. They settle on Bradley Sanguini, as if the Sanguinis are an actual family. Vampire Brad. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Better
0: than Chad. <laughs> oh, it is. Oh, Chad's the worst name. While they're discussing this, they try some food Brad has made and drink some red wine, though Quincy says she prefers white. But what does she know? She's 17 and has only tried wine a couple of times while cooking with Baggio. <laughs> they drink half a bottle. Quincy really is starting to enjoy it. And then there's a knock at the door. Two friends of Kieran's Travis and Clyde, both small, pointy, hairy guys, who Quincy is pretty sure aren't 100% human, are there to start new jobs.
1: School starts the next day and Quincy catches a ride with Kieran. They see Mitch, who mentions talking to the police, and then head to school. Before they go in, Kieran tries to convince Quincy to drop the vampire part of the new restaurant, but... (sighs) Nah, werewolf. Not going to happen. Nah. When they get in, they see Quincy's locker has been defaced, which is a little weird. But then the assistant principal catches her before class starts. He offers her the opportunity to homeschool for the rest of the year, since she's going through so much right now, and she's already doing half-days anyway with work-study so she can run the restaurant. He's already talked it over with her uncle and everything. Quincy declines.
0: Later, at the restaurant... Brad gives Quincy lots of wine, and she tries another dish, minestrone, and finds it orgasmically delicious, yet boring. Every Italian restaurant has minestrone. Every single one of them. Even if it's orgasmically delicious. Quincy wants the restaurant to be more exciting, like a role-playing game. And yeah, that sounds fantastic. I would go there. Immediately. (laughs) Ruby and Uncle D come in then, Ruby unimpressed with Brad and his attire. She also comments as if he and Quincy are on a date, which is weird. Don't do that. Stop it. Brad does, like, continuously flirt with her, though, and there's not that much of an age difference between them.
1: She's 17. Stop it.
0: Stop it. Don't do that.
1: Stop She's it. a child. Stop it.
0: Ruby just wants Brad to fail so she can be the head vampire, but Quincy won't let that happen. They shop for clothes the next day, but don't find anything promising.
1: Try Hot Topic.
0: Quincy gets a call from Kieran, upset that she didn't call
1: him back the night before, but apparently Uncle D forgot to tell her. Seems he really doesn't like Kieran much. Quincy mentions that Kieran's been acting weird lately, and Uncle D asks if he should tell the police. Weird. wait, does does he think Kieran killed Maggio? Does he know that Kieran's part wolf? The two friends pretend everything is fine between them, but Kieran clearly doesn't like vampires or the vampire themed restaurant, and Quincy is clearly upset that her best friend slash Crush is about to leave her to join a wolf pack. Better not talk about the actual feelings or anything, let's not
0: communicate. Nah. Nope. Don't do it. At the restaurant later, Quincy is plied with more wine. Brad offers her a ride home, but she refuses. Travis is still there, cleaning up, and instead of accepting the ride from Brad or asking Travis, she decides to walk home. You know, it's a good thing, really, because she was supposed to drive Uncle D's car home, but, like, she's had a million glasses of wine, and he came to get his car earlier anyway. But that would have been a terrible idea. Yep. (laughs) She takes off walking after midnight in a big city and is immediately panicked. But she doesn't have that far to go. As she's walking, though, she realizes someone is following her. Close to her house, the follower catches up. Quincy turns around to punch him with a key fist, but it's just Kieran. He wanted to make sure she got home okay after hearing from Travis that she was walking. When they get to her house, she sexually invites him inside, but Uncle D is there, reminding them it's a school night. Damn it! She might have seduced him this time! I wonder which boob she had out,
1: or, you know, what was this, what was the nipple extension?
0: Mmm. I mean, the nipples were probably erect, both of them. Right. Yeah.
1: We, re- we really need to note these down.
0: We really do. We really, really the do. The
1: next day, Quincy and Uncle D have some time alone together. He shockingly gives her some red wine he brought home from the restaurant and they talk about rare creatures being dangerous, which Quincy thinks is nonsense and the vampire theme for the restaurant. Quincy wants to tell Uncle D that it might be a bad idea because a vampire might have killed Vagio, like Kieran said. But they don't make it that far because Uncle D talks about family being the most important thing and also Ruby trying to find a real vampire. Maybe in the hopes of actually becoming one. It's cheaper and more permanent than Botox. It only costs, like, your immortal
0: soul. It's a bargain, really. It's barely anything. You can get it on, like, a coupon. Yeah. Yeah. The next day at school, Quincy daydreams about banging Karen enough for her teacher to notice. Oh my god. Then later, she goes shopping with Brad again. He's tried out a vampire costume where the shirt and pants are attached, which is weird. (laughs) Leather pants and a satin shirt, which is also weird, but probably more attractive. And now a tuxedo. He and Quincy dance without music, and she gets pretty swoony, but Uncle Davidson snaps them out of it. He's not pleased with any of Brad's outfits and just wants Ruby to be the star, but like, what if they broke up? That would be weirder than your shirt and your pants being sewn together. (laughs) Quincy asks for one last try. Before they can go shopping again, a police officer, Sanchez, calls and tells Quincy that the perp... The murderer, the shifter who killed Vaggio, was probably someone he knew, which means she probably knows them too. Dum-dum-dum! I don't think a police officer should be saying any of those words. No, that doesn't sound very policey. It does not. No. But then neither
1: does uh, talking to an underage, like to a juvenile, in an interview room without... An adult present yeah. that, that, that they did previously. That doesn't sound legit like either.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think 17 would be considered an adult, though, I think, in this situation.
1: Depends on the state, I think.
0: Oh, well, it's Texas. So, you know, 12 is an adult. Oh, okay. Sorry, Texans, listening to this podcast. I'm from Arkansas. It's worse. Deal with it. <laughs>
1: The next day at school, Quincy falls asleep in one class, is offered homeschooling again by the assistant principal and then cries about a quiz she's definitely going to fail in English class. She's not doing any schoolwork. What does she expect? The teacher thinks she's sad about her life outside of school, so she sends her to the nurse Then she and Kieran skip the rest of the day. I'm sorry, you're failing your classes. You're ridiculously tired, so you're going to skip school.
0: Might as well. I mean, she's not doing anything in school anyway, so she might as well not even be there. She should have accepted the homeschool offer.
1: Oh, my God. Homeschool straight away, and then no early morning. No mornings at all if you don't want to.
0: Yeah. Oh,
1: bliss. Anywho. Kieran takes them to his house, where he grabs a picnic and brazos, and takes them to the cemetery. That's right. It's her parents' wedding anniversary, and she typically sets this day aside to celebrate them. But this year... She totally spaced. Yeah, she's drunk. Clearan remembered though. Maybe he does have feelings for her. And we all hope.
0: Maybe he's just not drunk all the time. Maybe he's not drunk all the time.
1: <laughs> because it's and maybe maybe she could not get her boobs out of the cemetery on her you know, at her parents' graves.
2: Mm,
0: yeah. Yeah, it's probably a little bit more difficult and yeah. inappropriate to do there. Yeah, yeah. Time and place, you know. Yeah. Daytime in a cemetery is not time for boob
1: time. Nighttime cemetery, fine.
0: Sure. Nighttime is the right time for boob time.
1: If if you've got like the a corset thing going on and they're like pushed up to the heavens and you've basically got a shelf, mm-hmm. and then you can like waft like some kind of spectral
0: mm-hmm.
1: entity through the the gravestones. Yeah. Yeah. With a magnificent decolletage. Yeah. We have decolletage t-shirts in Red bubble shop. We
0: do. Later, Quincy and Brad are at it again with the clothes shopping. Quincy is kind of annoyed, and Brad asks her if her puppy love has broken her heart. Uh, no. <laughs> They're still friends. But then she asks Brad about his first love, And then she thinks about Kieran and if he would ever want a life with a budding restaurateur or if he'll prefer his life with his new pack. Sigh. (laughs) (laughs) The costuming still isn't going well and it doesn't seem to get any better after Quincy suggests an Iron Chef outfit and or a black trench coat. (gasps) With only a week to go before the opening of Sanguinis, it's not looking like they're going to have a handsomely dressed vampire chef at the helm.
1: What's wrong with Chef Whites?
0: I don't well, understand
1: what's, not, what's wrong with Chef Whites. I would
0: just like to say that we do try that later. There's a little bit of a problem <gasps> with
1: the hat. White. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> Quincy goes home after a long day's work Uh, sorry Quincy goes home after a long day's work
0: yeah (laughs) and notices
1: a disgusting smell coming from her bedroom (laughs) inside she finds a giant armadillo and Clyde looking dead on the floor she yells at the stupid wereboys who have been sent to her house by to vamp proof it but see, it seems, judging by the pink panties in Clyde's hands, that they got distracted. Come on, Clyde. Clyde. Disappointed. Clyde tells her that he's a were possum and can play dead in both human and possum forms, and that the armadillo is Travis. Which is delightful. It is. Interesting. <laughs> wares give off a terrible order, and that. Combined with the garlic candle Has to be disgusting Mm. She kicks the idiot
0: boys out And cleans up their mess I would just like to hearken back To last week's episode With the uh, yellow And brown smells Yes. Yes There is literally a quote From this book Mentioning yellow and brown smells Which we'll get to later but this book is so horrible, it really is. But later, Quincy is pissed at Kieran the next day. He tries to pick her up as she's walking to school to apologize for Travis and Clyde, but nah, Wolf, they were messing with her underwear. Just don't do that. Just no, don't they that. no, uh uh-uh, uh, no, I don't care that you're a 16 year old boy, nah. They also maybe took her grandpa's gun that she was going to start carrying ever since that time she walked by herself at home at night, but she didn't, you know, remember that. Karen swears he's going to talk to them, but is that really good enough? Quincy decides she, shocking no one, is going to skip school and go straight to work and to Brad. (gasps) She doesn't want anything to change, and it seems like he's pretty steady. He's been there for her at the restaurant every single time she's needed him. You know, for the past almost month. Maybe it's time to let Kieran leave for his pack.
1: Is she thinking with her head, her heart, or her hormones? Definitely... (laughs) Nips. <laughs> she's thinking
0: with her nips she's thinking with her nips i would just like to point out that mine were well, terribly not pointing in the right direction just then when i put my fingers I, up well you know the patreon <laughs> members
1: can decide what you were saying in the language of your boobs anywho the day before sanguinis opens quincy has one last outfit for brad to try It seems Uncle D and Ruby are pretty sure that Ruby is going to be the head vampire. At the restaurant, Brad, in his red contact lenses and fangs, tries on the chef's hat Quincy has brought for him. But he's like six foot four. So with the hat, it kind of makes him over seven feet, which is just plain ridiculous. She gives up when Brad offers to let her sample the menus. Yes, there are two. Pray.
0: And Predator. <gasps> ooh, ooh, tell me more. Ooh. The prey menu is pretty standard, but still delicious, with items like eggplant parmesan, three-cheese ravioli and mushroom sauce, and tiramisu. If the prey menu is safe, the Predator menu is dangerous, with its veal tartare, pig's feet, and the most tantalizing of all, a chilled baby squirrel as an option for dessert it's clearly a starter <laughs> clearly but it's in orange and like honey cream sauce so it's a dessert yeah. it's a dessert no,
1: i i've had fruit like melon medley things for starters before yeah but this isn't a fruit it's a squirrel which is a savory
0: as quincy tries all the food yes all of it even the squirrel brad strokes her wrist with long fingers and keeps refilling her wine since they're all alone in the restaurant it really feels like they're on a date and quincy doesn't mind it at all. There's only a few years difference in their ages. She's almost 18 and he's what, 22? It's fine.
1: Is he 22? Have you checked the birth certificate? And if you have to say almost and then age up, you're too young. Well, anywho... It's finally time for the restaurant to open and everyone is dressed up for the occasion. Quincy is wearing fishnets, leather hot pants, and a bustier with black lipstick and cowboy boots. It's a choice. Bradley is in a grey suit with a hint of makeup to bring out his cheekbones. That plus his standard red contacts and fangs make him the vampire chef Quincy long for him to be. Ah. Oh. All the staff, new and those that returned from fat Lorenzo's, are ready to go, though Travis appears to be missing. Patrons start arriving, and they're dressed just as spectacularly in leather and feathers and lace. Quincy grabs a glass of wine, and prepares herself to carpe noctum. Seize the night!
0: The night season goes fairly well, with only one ass grabbed, and one dinner spilled. Bravo, bravo. The dessert course is fast approaching, and soon, Bradley Sanguini will make his midnight toast. Quincy wants to be part of it, but then she notices that Karen has arrived. He wasn't supposed to be anywhere near the restaurant, on orders from his parents and or the police, who have been asking him constant questions since Vaggio's murder. It's quite possible they think he's responsible, and, you know, maybe Quincy does too sometimes. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Before Quincy can rush away from him and back for the toast, Kieran tells her he thinks Ruby is the vampire who killed Vaggio and is using the restaurant as a vampire beacon to draw more of her kind to the area. He then tells Quincy she looks and smells different then calls her out for missing so much school and not even realising that several of their classmates and neighbours are missing or dead. Fucking yikes. Wow. Talk about having your head buried in the wine bottle. She heads out into the floor of the restaurant with Kieran right behind her, but then, in the middle of his midnight vampire toast, Brad tells Kieran he's not welcome amongst the blessed So he leaves. Brad finishes his speech and raises his glass to Quincy. To Quincy!
0: (sighs) The next night is Sanguini's first regular service, but it's still very fancy and very busy. Clyde arrives only to tell Quincy and Uncle Davidson that he's quitting and that Travis is dead. Oh. He literally doesn't say it any gentler than that. <laughs> Uncle Dee gives him a check to give to Travis's family and then offers Clyde $300 to work his shift. He agrees, but he refuses to stay after the restaurant closes. Quincy, in her navy blue lace dress, beige thong, and chafed nipples, goes to talk to Brad. He apologizes for Kieran ruining the previous night and tells her he'll to always take care of her. Then, shares that he's written a bio-insert for the menu. It includes his presumably made-up younger years and how now, as a blessed vampire, he longs to feed his prey and also find a bride. <gasps> Does that mean he wants to marry Quincy and her jaw nipples? That's so, so presumptive. It is, it really
1: is. Guests start arriving, including a very annoying family that asks to see Quincy. The parents teach Sunday school at her church and they have brought their five-year-old child in, who constantly yells that he's five. It's dreadful, but soon Brad swoops out on the floor and escorts the obnoxious family to a private, soundproof party room. And Quincy tells him she loves him. <gasps> then she sees Kieran. Oh, he's come to tell Quincy that someone poisoned his dog. Someone bought silver bullets from a werewolf salesman using Vaggio's ID. And that he's found a ton of articles written by Henry Johnson that date back to the 1920s. Henry Johnson, a.k.a. Bradley Sanguini is a freaking vampire. (gasps) Shocked. Bradley sends a glass of wine to Quincy as she summons bouncers, beefy sunburnt guys named Ian and Jerome to escort Kieran out. He's mad because Quincy is changing and doesn't even realise it. But he vows to keep her safe. Uncle Dee comes by after Kieran's kicked out to tell Quincy he's going to tell the police about him being aggressive.
0: The rest of the evening goes well, and as everyone clears out, Quincy tells her uncle and Ruby that she's going to catch a ride home with Brad. She spins into the kitchen, very pleased with how the night went, but things keep spinning and she passes out into Brad's arms. She wakes up the next day on the couch in the break room, feeling like garbage. She changes out of her lacy dress and into a t-shirt and shorts and feels like herself and sober for the first time in a long time. She feels emotional about Travis and about Brazos and about Kieran, but she can't get him or anyone else on the phone. She thinks about the documents he brought in, but then decides that you can't trust everything you read on the internet and heads to Bradley's house.
1: Jerome and Ian, the beefy bouncers, are there, and Gorg Bradley, who welcomes her to enter his house of her own free will. <laughs> he apologises for abandoning her the night before, but says she needed to come to him on her own. He gives her wine when she asks for water, and then they make out until she passes out again. Clearly drugged. She wakes no longer in her T-shirt, but instead in a white flowing nightgown and tied to a bed in a basement. Oh, good. yeah, she's she's gonna die. Yep.
0: Imminent <laughs> death. Bradley comes to visit her, and Ruby too, and a wolf. Mm-hmm. Quincy hopes against hope that that wolf isn't Kieran, but. Luckily for her, it's Uncle D who transforms into his vampire form right before her eyes. A wolf is an easy transformation for a new vampire, and now, standing before her, Uncle D apologizes for not blessing her parents. But he wasn't a vampire yet when they died. Now that she's about to turn two, he hopes to keep their new vampire family safe. Later, after asking if THE boss has told her everything yet, Ruby licks her hand and slinks into the basement to tell Quincy that Bradley is turning everyone much faster than he normally would because he wants to take over Texas, and he'll be able to do that pretty quickly. Everyone who was brave enough to eat the baby squirrels will soon be neophyte vampires. And shockingly, that is a lot of people. The next time
1: Quincy wakes, Brad is next to her in bed. He tells her that he hates that he's had to keep her locked up in the basement, but she's just coming into her vampireness, and he doesn't want to lose her. When she asks for clarification... He explains a bunch of ways and vampires can be killed and says that were carnivores can be especially dangerous because they can't be turned and they get mad when a vampire tries to eat one of them. That is a completely understandable reaction. Yeah. He says that there are even some that spy on them with the hopes of assassinating him. He tells her everything is going to be okay though and that she should meet him on the dance floor of Sanguinis the next night with a drink a sacrifice and her devotion if she doesn't he's going to kill kieran then he bites her nom, nom, nom.
0: quincy wakes up in her bed at home she wants to warn kieran but when she calls he doesn't answer she realizes she has a ton of missed calls and messages though and listens to them most of them are from kieran looking for her one says he's following a lead at the school One says he's going to find her. The last message is from Bradley, asking if she slept well. She gets thoroughly creeped out, feeling like he's watching her, but finally gets out of bed. She discovers several bite marks all over her body and realizes that Bradley was tasting her. Then she tastes herself and finds that her blood is pretty delicious. She goes looking through drawers and finds her grandpa's gun in Uncle D's dresser and grabs it, wanting any protection she can get, even though she's more likely to accidentally shoot herself than anyone else. (laughs) Then, she sees herself in a mirror. Red eyes, fangs, and all. Red eyes,
1: fangs, and perky boobs.
0: Quincy goes to the
1: kitchen for something to eat but doesn't really find anything that doesn't make her gag. She does spot a bottle of wine from the restaurant but instead of drinking it in all its blood-spiked deliciousness she pours it down the drain. She leaves the house to try to find Kieran and makes it to his place. His truck is outside so she pounds on the door until her knuckles bleed. His little sister Megan opens the door and tells her Kieran's not there and that she looks and smells funny. Quincy almost eats the little girl, but screams at her to shut the door instead. Door closed, Quincy licks her own blood off it, and licks her knuckles clean too. She needs more blood. Now. Quincy walks around town, scoping out someone she can eat when she runs into Mitch, her homeless friend in the park. As she starts to eat him, thinking no one will miss him, he wakes up, and is also a vampire. Damn Damn it! She goes back home, wondering if Mitch is responsible for some of the deaths she's heard about. Really, you're gonna blame a homeless person? What?
0: She was gonna eat him. She clearly does not care about him. No, no, not at all.
1: She's she's just you know, she's got some serious serious killer vibes going on here. (laughs) She
0: does. I'm just gonna pick from this demographic. Back at her house, Quincy. Decides to try some chicken that she thaws in the microwave and licks it like a popsicle. Thanks, Bella. Gross. While she's enjoying her treat, Detectives Bartok and Matthews come by looking for Kieran. She tells him that she hasn't seen him and also that Detective Sanchez called a few weeks ago and he told her that they're close to an arrest of a shifter. They are shocked by this statement. Detective Sanchez is a she, not a he. So whoever called and told her that was not a police officer. Damn it. Everyone's been tricking her into thinking Kieran is a killer this entire time. It seems Kieran might be the only person who has been telling her the truth.
1: You would only believe them if the seed of doubt was already there. Uncle D and Ruby come in shortly after the police leave, full of blood and vigour. Uncle D is impressed with how quickly Ruby made the transition into a vampire and the promise to take Quincy for a feeding later. they just finished off the police officers which can't be great considering the rest of the police officers will probably think Ian is responsible, but maybe he'll have extra time to run away to find a wolf pack now without Bartok and Matthews looking for him. It's almost time for Quincy to meet Bradley at the restaurant with her victim, so she goes upstairs with plans to take Uncle D and Ruby out so she can then kill Bradley.
0: Turns out Uncle D is already dead staked, and Ruby isn't a vampire, but a werecat. All the were creatures hate vampires, so Quincy makes sure to tell Ruby that she's going to kill Bradley and save Kieran, and that she should let her go. When Ruby lunges at her, Quincy shoots the giant cat in the shoulder. She tells her to go and find Kieran's mom, who is a healer, who will help her. Hopefully. Ruby Cat leaves, and then Quincy grabs the steak from her uncle's back and heads to the restaurant.
1: Clyde is in Kieran's mom's work van outside Quincy's house, but Kieran isn't there. Clyde, after a moment of sexy panic, tells Quincy that Kieran took off after Ruby. Quincy drives them to the restaurant and plans to take Clyde inside as a fake sacrifice, then kill Bradley while he's feeding on him. Clyde figures this out, minus the killing Bradley part, and starts shifting into his possum form. Quincy gets him under control and he tells her they should wait for Kieran to come back. Then he tells her that Ruby is the one who killed Travis, not Bradley or another vampire. Basically because cats don't give a fuck. (laughs) No, they do not. He says it all hit Vampire's door. Like, sorry, not sorry. But if she's there to kill Bradley, then he's going to help. Just then,
0: Kieran arrives. Kieran rips the door off the hinges and Quincy gets out. She realizes that if Kieran would just kill her, then Bradley would have no reason to hurt him. Um, that's terrible reasoning. That doesn't make any sense, Quincy. So she holds the stake out to him. Instead of killing her, He KISSES her! While they're making out, fangs and hips grinding, Clyde speeds off. He's a smart little possum that one. He really is. Kieran suggests they run away, too. Quincy will be able to become a wolf soon enough, but she's not going to let Bradley use her family restaurant to vampirize and or eat people, and she doesn't want Kieran to live a life with her on the run without a pack. Quincy tells Kieran the plan she has previously concocted and they go through with it, swapping him out for Clyde. He says he'll surprise attack while Bradley is drinking him. As they go inside, Quincy worries about the bouncers, Jerome and Ian, but Kieran reveals that they are were-turkey vultures and only hang out with Bradley for his easy corpse pickings left behind. They won't interfere. Turkey vultures are Fucking scary
1: as well. Yeah. Inside Sanguinis, Bradley is waiting for Quincy. When he sees that she's brought Kieran as her sacrifice, he's startled but appreciative. He asks if Kieran had a bad day at school because he heard that the assistant principal was decapitated. Which what? Yikes! <laughs> Bloody hell! <laughs> But then she realises that he was a vampire and vandalised her locker and was pushing her to homeschool so she'd spend more time at the restaurant with Brad and less time with humans and Kieran. Jeez, it's convoluted. Yes. The, the le- lengths this guy will go to. It's serious. Ew, wow, it's wild. Whatever. She's still got her plan and it's very simple. Brad goes on that they're going to be together forever and it's going to be amazing. Then he tells her to drink. Wait, wait, what? She has to bite Kieran? She thought Bradley was going to be drinking him. Yeah, this is not the plan at all.
0: No. Mm-mm. Bradley tells her that if she drinks from Kieran but chooses not to kill him, then he will leave Sanguinis and Austin and all his neophyte vampires for her to lead because his plan won't be worth it if he has to bully her into loving him. He'll just walk away. Adios. Just like that. But she has to be able to stop drinking from Kieran, which is going to be difficult to do. Kieran helps make this decision by wolfmanning out and tearing into his own hands. Quincy begins to drink from her best friend, from her crush, from her love. Bradley thinks he's won, but then she stops drinking. She's going to lose Kieran to his wolf pack and Bradley to another town, but she will not lose herself or her restaurant. Adios, Brad. Now she's got to find a new head chef. Dang it. Oh, Dang. Get the fax machine
1: warmed up. Yes, right well we would we communicate to each other in boob <laughs>
0: here's some promo for the podcast <laughs> did not expect us to latch on to that
1: what's up fellow book nerds it's time to feed your fiction shelf addiction Hear book club style roundtables, bookish chats, and more. Join Tamara and her friends for fantasy and thriller read-alongs and other shenanigans over on the Shelf Addiction Podcast. Listen now on your podcatcher of choice. Subscribe for free, and you too can have a shelf addiction.
0: Okay. Wow. Standout moments
1: the entire story it was so fucking wild
0: it really was, it was
1: absolutely it was local
0: it was it oh, was Although <sighs> though that that makes me think of jacob black where the hell have you been Luca? <laughs> it's kind
1: of going for it so i'm glad that you picked it up good
0: i was yeah, i did
1: yeah yeah Do you know... It reminds me... Harken back your memory... To when we spoke to Amy McCaw... For Mina... And... The... No, Mina and the Cult is the third book... Why am yeah. I
0: obsessed with Mina and the Cult? Mina and the Undead? What's the second one? Mina and the Slayers? Thank you...
1: My god, my brain would knock on that... Anywho... It reminds me when we talked to Amy McCaw from Mina and the Slayers and we were having a conversation about how vampires could turn people through food and my specific food item was black pudding because it is essentially blood. Yes.
0: And, and I'm like
1: That happened. Yeah. My my little mind is blown because it, this was that's the entire concept of this book. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that, so amazing. However, squirrel? Really? I'm a little confused by the squirrel because squirrels are these cute little animals. I wouldn't necessarily have said it was like a predator-worthy animal. Because people eat squirrel when it's roadkill. Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't know. It just felt like a little bit to me that it wasn't necessarily a predator dish, um. Regardless of you know being a dessert or you know, appetizer, whatever.
0: Um, but yeah. Yeah, Wild. I I did not, I did not like. The the baby squirrel, um, but. It was interesting when Quincy was trying it for the first time, like she didn't know she didn't think it was a real squirrel. Like she thought, oh, they're just you know, he's just making this menu to seem scary. So it's yeah. a so it's a squirrel. But but yeah, then it was a real squirrel and then she ate it and she ate all of it. And then I
1: endorsed people eating baby squirrels.
0: Yeah. But I mean, it's a fancy restaurant, and sometimes fancy restaurants have real weird stuff.
1: No, I've never heard of necessarily squirrel. Well, Claire, What's wrong with ratatouille? You're not from Texas. Is fancy restaurants sell ratatouille. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that might be my level of fancy.
0: Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. This restaurant is entirely too fancy for me. But I do like. Mm the outfits that everyone wears
1: many many outfits I love it
0: I love it so much I would love to be able to go to a restaurant and just like be completely decked out in some wild crazy outfit pretending to be a vampire even I would love it it would be amazing it reminds
1: me of those like themed restaurants especially like Orlando's huge for them like they had the pirate one and there's the Dolly Parton one and the Yes, the the Medieval Times
0: one. Yeah. Yeah. I love those ones.
1: They're hilarious.
0: Yeah, but most of the time, the people attending don't tend to dress up. It's, you know, it's a performance, which this isn't what we get. We don't get a performance except for the Midnight Toast. But, like, I would just, I don't know. I would just love it. I would
1: totally go to those. I mean, I've been to them before, but I would totally go. If I was going with a group of friends rather than just, you know, me and the hubby, I would go completely dressed up.
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Definitely.
1: I bet there's a a vampire-themed restaurant. There are many vampire-themed restaurants in New Orleans.
0: Yeah, probably. Yeah. I would really like it. I would love to. I would love to go. She has really naive,
1: though, Quincy, like, outfit choices for Bradley. For Brad.
0: Yeah, Vampire Brad. It's a terrible name.
1: Henry is a better vampire name. Yeah. It's more old-worldy. Yeah. Than Bradley. Uh, I don't don't know.
0: But yeah, the outfits... It's like she was just playing dress-up with a doll. And the fact that he can just wear a suit and, like, put on some... You know, do some contouring and a little bit of eyeliner and a little bit of lip liner. Like, that's all you need. Yeah. You don't need to wear the outfit where your pants and your shirt are sewn together or a cape or, or all of the above put together. Yeah. You don't need to do that. You don't need to do that.
1: Which to me tells you exactly how naive and young she is she's freaking 17
0: yeah she's a you kid know.
1: she's a kid and it was horrible the bits where he's plying her with all this wine i'm i've if how many times did they mention chianti oh i
0: don't know it wasn't
1: just wine it was always chianti it was like they were trying to summon hannibal lecter
0: yes and or cabernet playing... also a lot yes. of cabernet and i can
1: i understand like the predator menu and I can understand if it was a a very specific choice of mentioning Chianti because of the Hannibal Lecter link, and I you know it's a smart choice. I appreciate that. But you know when a word just you start noticing it, and it 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 just starts every time you hear it, you hear it. I was like, I need yeah. a pound for every time it says Chianti. Well, you so know, I need to check the ebook,
0: it was only said ten times.
1: Is that all? Yeah. Seriously, yeah. I'm very shocked by that. I honestly would have sworn it was more or more. Because it just kind of, I, I feel like I heard it all the time. Um, but like I say, if it's like hearkening to the cann- Hannibal Lecter Predator style menu, um, I think it's a very smart choice. But like, she's 17. It's not even legal to drink in a restaurant in the UK. You know, we have a lax of laws in the US. He's o- very overtly flirting with her. He's being very inappropriate with her and you don't know how old he is. He's at least in his 20s and yeah. you're 17. Yeah. That is disgustingly predatory behavior. And it's not like vampire predator. That is a grooming. Yeah. Yuck.
0: Yeah. And the fact that, you know, her uncle is like the one responsible for it. Also, really gross.
1: It, by the end, it was just vampires and were animals just popping out of every crevice, wasn't there?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I appreciate the variety of
0: were creatures, though. Me, too. I love the were possum and the were armadillo. See, now here's where I need to do the. Because it was the armadillo who died and not Clyde the possum. I don't even know how I messed that up in the beginning it's stupid it's stupid to of to me really i was honor the dead i was i really really was do you know what do you know what i really 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 liked i appreciated that quincy chose herself at the end yes and also that brad just left like, it seemed kind of like an abrupt ending, but I liked that he was like, you know, if you're not going to choose me, there's no point. I'm not going to bully you into it. Like, that's that's not the kind of life I want to have. So I'll just, you know, go to San Antonio or something. It's cool. And then he does. <laughs> well, that's it. For all the fact he spent
1: a month overtly flirting and grooming her, when it comes down to it, if she says no, he respects her choice. Yeah. Which goes to show that all the way through this period of time where he's been pretending to be Brad, the chef, uh-huh. that she has been consenting to an extent. She hasn't verbalised it because Quincy's terrible at communication.
0: Right, yeah.
1: But she's, you know, she's not said no to anything.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, I know she's still a child. So no might not be part of her <sighs> repertoire in these situations, especially yes. because all she does is think about shopping and in... All all Quincy is at this point is shopping in hormones with him. Yes, definitely. Um but when he says if you say no, I'll respect that. It's kind of like actually that's really good. Yeah. Considering all the other really toxic behaviour that we've had and witnessed, like Travis and Clyde going through her underwear. Yeah. Nah, nah, nah you don't do that. Nah. Uh uh-uh.
0: uh. Nah. So I liked that part. I, I agree. I agree. Even even though you know the ending was very abrupt. But you know, what else are you gonna do? There's nothing else you need to wrap up. Karen's leaving. We one hundred percent know this. Yeah. Brad says he will leave if she's able to stop drinking and, you know, tells him to leave and she does and he leaves. And she's like, well, shit. (laughs) She's got to dust off the fax machine again.
1: I mean, the only question I've got left is, does she ever, you know, finish high school? Or now that she's a vampire, she's like, eh. Yeah, shrug. I don't need education. I've got the restaurant, which I'm sorry to say, love, but it's, you know, it's difficult to maintain an independent restaurant in this economy, especially after the pandemic.
0: Yeah, but Claire, this was in 2007. So, I mean, the economy is going to crash. And, you know, if she, I could see it maybe if she were the chef. If that were her skill set, if she was like, cooking all this amazing food, then sure, that's fine. You drop out of school and you chef your way to the top. But she's not the chef. She's supposed to be the manager when she turns 21. She's supposed to, she's going to own the restaurant when she turns 21. And she does not have those skills.
2: The she, age.
0: she has no business sense at all. No, which I think is exemplified
1: by the way she was trying to dress the chef. Yeah. Yeah. She I mean, needed to move out of hot topic. Yeah. And go back to school.
0: If anything, she should have been working with him on like his speech patterns and his dialect and you know, the speech that he's going to make when he comes out at midnight. Because he's already got the fangs and he's already got red eyes, so that's that's pretty vampire if you ask me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Spot on vampire. Yeah. I want to know what she was actually expecting to be doing all day. Considering she was like half day in school and half day working at the restaurant. Because the restaurant's closed. So it's not as if she's cleaning. It's not as if she's doing any meal prep. Yeah. She has no control over the finances. No. So... What is she doing, apart from playing dress-up, which in my head was a montage. You know, Definitely. You do the, it was definitely a montage. The,
0: mm-hmm. the, the changing rooms. Yeah, it was definitely a montage. Which, if, it, if this were a movie, that would be fantastic. I would love to see that montage. Yes.
1: Especially the pants and shirt that's connected. Yes. The onesie.
0: Yeah. Like, how did he get into it? Is it, like, Velcro up the back? Covered with yes. a cape? Yeah. 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 Those questions. Yeah. Definitely Um, questions. Something else I loved. uh, I loved Kieran's transformation at the end, even though, you know, he didn't fully wolf out. Because he can't do that, because he's a wolf man. He's not a werewolf. He's only part werewolf. But I just, I love (laughs) that... (laughs) His, his like, survival instincts are kicking in, you know, and he's – Quincy's coming for him, and there's Bradley there, and so he's going to have to fight. And, like, his his hands turn into werewolf hands, which I love that I have werewolf hands just sitting right here next to me that I could get out, but it will make a lot of sound. Um, But I also love this, like, his goatee explodes and his <laughs> eyebrows get real big. Like, yes, this is amazing. I love it so much.
1: <laughs> I can just exploding I, facial hair. I,
0: yes, I it's just I can just see it happening, and like, I I just have to think does does his facial shape change any at all, or does he just get real hairy all of a sudden? I
1: like to think it's a real hairy all of a sudden. Okay. Like, he doesn't even remotely get a okay. muzzle. His ears might get a little pointier, yeah, and his nose might also get a little bit wet.
0: Oh, so it's like uh, it's like Teen Wolf. Yeah. It's like Teen Wolf with Michael J. Fox. Yeah, he, he, and he just gets Teen Wolf. And he just gets real hairy on the
1: top of the van. Yeah. If
0: only. And then he's going oh, 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 oh. to go into a liquor store and demand a keg of beer. And then his yes. eyes are going to glow red. And then he's going to get a keg of beer. And then he's going to surf home on it.
1: And it's a very manly goatee as well, so instantly he doesn't need to be carded.
0: Yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) I love everything about it. I love everything about it, and it's just... Come on, everyone, let's be honest here, this book is fucking ridiculous. But I like it! It's
1: absolutely wild. Yeah. I I listened to it and went, what the hell? Am I reading? Yeah. Because bearing in mind, I was sold on Vampire Restaurant and a Possum. Sure. Yeah, that's all you need. That's all you need need to sell this book. No, nothing else. And it it lived up to that expectation. There was no misinformation. I was not missold. No. And I just, there was points I just literally stopped and went, what? And it was like, a lot of the time it was the costume changes, I will admit. Yeah. It was a costume. What? Or like Why? Travis and Clyde being inappropriate. Yes. Or sometimes it was Quincy. And I'm, I, you know, I did not like Quincy. The only thing I like about her is at the end when she's like, you know what? You can't have me and you sure as hell can't have my restaurant. Yeah. That's that's the only th- Other than that, I, I really didn't gel with Quincy. Yeah. Might have been because she was just basically a big ball of hormones the entire time. And I was yes. like... You yeah. need to calm yourself.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, I, I did think, you know, when she's watching the werewolf docu- the were- the wolf documentary, uh-huh. and I was like, oh, I've read this book already. <laughs> she thinks about me as fly. These books are not the same.
0: Not the same. Not the
1: same not the at same. all. Not the same. Not the same. And I will also say throughout this entire thing. It was a little bit like bookshops and bone dust. Like, Travis Baldry must have been hungry all the way through when he writes his books. Yes. You know, you you must be hungry. I I can only imagine Cynthia Lech Smith must have been hungry writing these books. Yeah. Because I was sure as hell craving an Italian. And there's an Italian in my town. It's called Roma. It's one of those small places where. It's always busy. It's always busy. I have never had a bad meal from it. It it stinks of garlic. It just emits from Mm. its pores. You walk past it and you smell Mm. garlic. And if you get anything with cheese, like a garlic bread with cheese, it's just Mm. thick. And it's just, oh, and I've been craving aroma and as a family, we do like to like have little family day nights there every now and again. We mm-hmm. haven't been for a while, months. So I think we're going to have to have a little treat to Roma and have an Italian restaurant. And I realise that Quincy has decided that there's another Italian restaurant in the town that's getting all of the business. So we need to shake things up. I get that. Yeah. But you know what? How often do you say, I know this gorgeous Italian place that is independent? It's a family run establishment, it stinks of garlic, and everything's and and the the bread with cheese is the best thing. Yeah. If you can do a quality Italian restaurant where you know that's it, you are going to get that repeat business. Yeah, you
0: are. Yeah, you are.
1: Because it's the only Italian restaurant I actually know in my, like, out of quite a few that has maintained for years and years it lasted through the pandemic it transitioned to delivery only through the pandemic or collection only you know it really thought about its business and it has maintained a fantastic standard Mm. and it's still cost like cost effective for a family to go be able to go there for a treat and I desperately need some now
0: yeah you need to go there um when when you go because yes. you will inevitably you will go, will. will you please dress up fancily and wear your fangs? Um, the fangs may come out to actually eat it is hard to eat with fangs in yeah, it is hard to eat with fangs, but
1: you know it's it's not a fancy place it it's a it's a casual place I mean you could you could go fancy if you want it, but it is more casual, hmm. but you know. I might, I might, all right, put actual shoes on and not just wear Converse, <laughs> which is a big thing. a big I never put. That's a big deal. That's a big I deal. I my conference.
0: That's a big deal. Well, if you know, I put shoes on at all. <laughs> Quincy wore her red cowboy boots with like all of her outfits. I'm pretty sure she was wearing her red cowboy boots with the uh, lace. With a navy blue lace dress? Quite probably.
1: Quite probably. It seems like a very Texan thing to do, just to stereotype them.
0: Yeah. But the only person
1: I know with red cowboy boots is superfan Annie, and she's not in Texas.
0: Well, she's in Oklahoma. That's close. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Speaking of superfan Annie, I bet she could rock a navy blue lace dress with cowboy boots. She... She's very elegant. She I can see it. She probably has a
1: navy blue lace dress as well. She probably does. So I think
0: I think we're laying down a challenge. I think we are. I
1: mm-hmm. think we really are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> you said that you didn't like Quincy, which, you know, brings us to the next stage of of our episode here with favorite characters. Um I have no idea who my favorite character is. Like no one like, stands out as, like, a super favourite, really. Because I... I like Quincy. I like Kieran. I like Bradley. Like, I don't... They were all fine characters.
1: Yeah, I agree. Nobody stood out. Like I said, I didn't really gel with Quincy. If Bradley wasn't such a grooming predator... I would probably like him no more.
0: However, yeah. like I say,
1: respect the fact that he, when he said, "If you say no, I'll walk away," yeah. Um, but he was trying to mastermind a villainous takeover of Texas, which I do appreciate. Yeah, I was about to say that. I mean, that should elevate him. It does. It does. That's a pro. That's in the pro column. Yeah. Yeah. If Travis and Clyde were less. Disgusting teenage boys looking through underwear, I probably would have liked them. Mm-hmm. Ian and Jerome, the bouncers, you know, yeah, wear turkey vultures. I appreciate that as well. Yeah,
0: I mean, they're just there for the corpse pickings. Yeah.
1: I didn't like Ruby. Oh, she was awful. But I think you were designed to not like her. She was yes. you designed to hate. Yeah,
0: she was, I don't want to say a red herring because she was a cat, but pretty sure she was a red herring. <laughs> She was a toppy ginger cat. Yeah, she was a ginger cat. I, I do really like that, like, not even Uncle D knew that she was a cat. And then when they come in from, you know, her first meal or whatever as a vampire, her first time drinking blood, like, live from the source, which is a key in, you know, fully transforming into vampire that like she's you know she's been a werecat her entire life so i can only imagine that she's like okay well i'm just going to let my fangs come out because cats have fangs she's going to let my fangs come out let my claws come out a little bit he's going to think i'm a vampire and it's fine and he did because he's very stupid yes
1: Uncle D is definitely very stupid and very self-involved, and was like too busy going "Mm, nom 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 to pay any attention to Ruby. She played him like a damn fiddle.
0: She did, and I appreciate that because I think if if I had a least favorite character, it would be Uncle Davidson. Yeah, yeah. Because he Vaggio,
1: I appreciate Vaggio for the
0: five seconds he was in. Yeah, I liked Vaggio. Um, I liked. I mean I didn't I didn't like it because I hate Uncle Davidson, but like when he's explaining to her when she's tied up in the basement, like, Oh yeah, I just you know, I did this for family. For family I did it for the family. You know, like, ugh. Yeah. You you offered your seventeen year old niece to an adult man as a sacrifice. That's not that's that's not good. No,
1: it's not. It's disgusting. Ugh. So, yeah, he's he's least favorite. Yeah.
0: Um, did you have any surprises?
1: The fact that squirrel was this high-end meal. <laughs> yeah. I can't get over that one. I'm stuck on it. Um, and also, there's a quote that really surprised me to a point where I snorted <laughs> when I heard it. Um, but we're going to get to that one. We'll we get will. To
0: that one. We'll get to that one. And we'll get to my quote that I mentioned earlier. Yes. Um, I honestly, because everyone knows, I, I've already said this, I read this book, you know, when it came out a million years ago. Maybe it was like a year after it came out, but I read it at the very beginning. And I had forgotten that Ruby was a cat. I mean, I was not surprised by it. I knew that she wasn't a vampire. I knew that. But I forgot. I forgot that she was a cat. So I guess that was a surprise. And I also forgot that the vice principal was a vampire that was trying to get Quincy out of school in, like, the nicest way possible. Minus the locker thing. <laughs> <laughs> but he was he like, was
1: yeah. All right. He was alright. He a- was apart from that one thing.
0: Apart from the locker thing.
1: It's like Bradley. He was alright. Apart from the grooming. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not alright. Yeah. It's still a part of it. it's still a massive character
0: flaw. Yeah. Yeah. Um okay. Well I think I think now it's time for Would You Rather? Pew 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 So um I don't know if everyone heard that, but we did have an extra special additional sound effect that time, and it came from our very good brand new author friend, Cynthia Leidick Smith, who has joined us. Yay! Yay! We're so excited that we somehow magically connected with you on social media and you were like yeah heck yeah i'm gonna join your show of course manifesting manifesting <laughs>
3: manifesting. It is an honor thank you for inviting
0: me oh, i am we delighted love we love it we love it so much um okay so claire do you want to just jump right in what's our first question yeah
1: yes well on social media we asked would you rather eat from the prayer menu or the predator menu and on facebook 88 percent said yeah. prayer on Instagram, 100% said Predator, as did TikTok, and on threads, they were 50 50. Some comments which may help us with our own decision. Brie on Facebook, Superfan Brie, said, As much as I am a happy omnivore, Prey has dessert. Dessert always wins.
0: Look, Predator has dessert too, you just probably don't want to eat a squirrel. It's fine. <laughs> the baby Some squirrel.
3: a kind of person. To eat a squirrel, a certain kind of person who, who may need a change in their life mm. or their death, some something that, something that calls, calls deeply to the carnivore mm. within, mm. At, at, at a level that just perhaps heightened from the <laughs> average, cow or poultry connoisseur. <laughs>
0: Emily on Facebook says oh, I love Cynthia Lettick Smith. I've read three of her books. Rain is Not My Indian Name, Hearts Unbroken, Sisters of the Never Sea. This will be excited. So she didn't even answer the question. She just wanted to fangirl about you a little bit. Which is 100% I, I feel the love. Okay. I
3: return the love. It flows.
1: I appreciate that. <laughs> Katrina on Facebook, superfan Katrina said, prayer menu. And I'd rather not risk something special. <laughs> mm. What
3: a wise diner. <laughs> savvy. I would say savvy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Superfan Coral said, Pray had me at eggplant parm. Yes, please.
3: And yet, a purple vegetable exists in nature, which I find
0: spooky. Yes, it's very dark. Unsettling. Very yes. dark. Yes.
3: You just never know what might be in there. <laughs>
0: Now you got clear thinking about it. Sorry, that's an
1: image that's put down. (laughs) Okay. Drew on Facebook, Superfan Drew. I will risk it all and go for the Predator
0: menu. Well done, Drew. We knew we could rely on you. Good job. Good job, Drew.
1: Go
3: bigger,
0: go home. Superfan Constance on Facebook says both menus sound delicious to me. So I'll pick the menu I'd rather cook i would do the prey menu there is a reason i went the pastry route in the culinary field i do not like breaking down the meat yeah well that's like all this menu is so smart good choice
3: i mean to each their own you choose your path
1: true exactly lastly superfan crudlin lefroy on threads said i've been a vegetarian for seven years now so i'm picking the prayer menu plus eggplant palm and tiramisu sounds amazing
0: Hmm. But listen, friends, the predator menu means you get to turn into a vampire. So there is no question. I would swallow my pride and that squirrel. I'm gonna eat the squirrel, even though I really, really don't want to. If I get to be a vampire, eating a squirrel.
3: It's an edgy choice. I'm doing it. One of the interesting things about being an author is that if you put food in a book, people will serve it to you. Oh, so no. I just want you to think about what I have embraced for my art with eyes and beyond.
0: Oh, you're brave. <laughs> nice. Actually, nice.
3: you know, one of my favorite events was in uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan. And it was at a juvenile detention center. And they had a program for readers. And I came in and the librarian said to me that a number of, it was all girls, the number of the girls had actually come back for the author event, which is unusual because usually you leave juvie and you are glad to be out of there. But they, they wanted to take part in it. They all made me uh, this amazing Sanguinis dinner. And they decked out the table and it was just, it was phenomenal. It, wow. I, I think that uh, cooking is uh, is very creative in the way that uh, writing or painting or anything else is. And uh, you know, I just hope that the menu gives people permission to maybe explore their dark side on the stove.
0: Oh, oh explore their dark side on the stove is like a fantastic line. <laughs>
1: I love it. It it takes a whole new meaning because I've been, like Amanda knows, I've been diving into true crime lately and I've been reading about and listening about a lot of cannibalistic things. So that's a whole different kettle of fish. So that exploring the dark side.
3: Have you read Fried Green Tomatoes? No. Looks sweet, looks cozy, looks homey, looks all about girl love and happy things. But just keep turning the pages. It's deceptive. Okay. That's amazing. Deceptive chicken fried literature. I'm telling you.
0: <laughs> chicken fried <laughs> Oh my gosh. You are full of gems. Um, Claire, what are you eating? Did you answer this? I did not.
1: Um... This is, we said this in the discussion that this actually reminds me of a conversation we had with author Amy McCall, where I was convinced that you could serve somebody um, black pudding, which is, I don't know if it translates over to the US, but um, it's a thing over in the UK, which is essentially blood with wheat and other bits and things in. And I freaking love it, so predator all the way. But if you ate it and it was, for example, vampire blood, and you could then transform into vampire from eating black pudding, you know, I would I would have that breakfast. I'd be happy. So I think it's quite an obvious choice. I'm going to pick the bread at the menu. My only problem is with the squirrel. I always associate squirrel less with delicacy and more with a uh, roadkill.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <So>. Valid choice. <laughs> <a> valid point. Well, what, creating this this menu <laughs> took a certain um, fusion approach. I yes. actually did pull from. Uh, Romanian cookbooks Eastern European cookbooks as well as Central Texas and I had a tax-deductible excuse to go to every Italian restaurant in the city of Austin so nice. I surprised that because I, I I feel that research is important
1: I, so I am 100% behind that and I, I applaud that that's amazing
0: It's <laughs> fantastic that's
1: absolutely amazing <laughs>
0: um so, Cynthia, did you did you answer this one? I did not.
3: And I, I am still pondering a bit. I have an affection for squirrels. I, I find them cute and not just in a rats in a cuter outfit kind of way, more in a, I think that's a sex in the city quote <laughs> popping in my brain, but more in a tiny creatures I put food out for on a regular basis. So, as they may think of me as my friend, it feels like the ultimate betrayal. And yet... <laughs> I do like the idea of fighting the forces of darkness from within or at least getting the really cool outfits. So I'm gonna lean Predator with a few caveats, maybe one of those, it takes me 15 minutes to order kind of situations, but we'll get there.
0: Okay, good, I'm glad. I'm glad you're you're giving up your friends, you're sacrificing your friends to eat them to become a vampire. And I think that's Only a Only to make the choice. world of, you
3: know, slightly more interesting place yes
0: <laughs> and
1: if they're really your friends they don't understand that they would well they're
3: either friends or they're stock it's, it's it's hard to tell you know it's we'll we'll have to put a pin in that one friends or pantry this is often the question that plagues our hearts <laughs>
0: Okay, next question. <laughs> would you rather be a were possum or a wear armadillo? I'm going possum all the way, and
3: maybe it's because I live in Texas, and with one exception, the armadillo dili dilix. I, I don't know. What, what is the plural of armadillo? We don't know. Armadillos I have seen have been largely uh, roadside and then not what you would call a, a happy place. Whereas whereas I I really do feel that the possum, the appeal of the possum is underestimated. Possum is slinky. Uh, A possum has teeth. I I had a moment of possum encounter that in in fact inspired Clyde. And and I can tell you, it is a not unimpressive set of chompers. You gotta give the possum their due.
0: Yeah, and also they have pockets, so. (laughs) Which is useful.
3: I mean, we were always asking for it in the dress.
0: So, wardrobe, key. Yeah,
3: yeah. It's all about the details. do you like my werewolf? It has pockets. Yes. It has pockets.
0: I I definitely choose a possum. Definitely. And it's not just because I really like Clyde as a character. It's because possums are better than armadillos.
1: Oh, I want to play dead. I think it'd be funny. You know, it's a bit of a party trick, really, isn't it? Yeah. It seems to work,
3: but you don't want to corner a possum either.
0: No, they their no. pointy little teeth will definitely come out. And what, I can, what I'm imagining is I'm, I'm putting the
1: clothes on the air or something, and the doorbell goes. And I always get a shock when no. the doorbell goes because I don't like people. Um, you know, this is my house, you keep away from it. And so I'll be like, <gasps> and then they're dead. Definitely. <laughs> okay, next question. Would you rather manage Fat Lorenzo's or Sanguinis?
3: In terms of long term survival, Fat Lorenzo's is probably the safer bet, but it's already struggling financially. So I'm going with Sanguinis in part because, to be perfectly candid, I love the drama, I love the theatre, I love the clothes. I I feel that in this situation that both the food and the fashion are a means of self-expression and you walk in and you are literally and metaphorically a character. You can be who you want to be if only for one night in a fully submerged situation.
1: I I, I can imagine with Sanguinis. Is a bachelorette you call them bachelorette hen parties bachelorette parties like mm-hmm. yeah, you could do a special on those and that would just keep you financially afloat come to Sanguinis for your bachelorette party That's and, you know you know, you'll know have a massive vampire night and or birthdays bar mitzvahs i don't know um you know and people will be just flocking there for the whole experience yeah if i had
3: infinite budget I would absolutely open sanguinis on South Congress. I would have the blue carpet. I would have the chandeliers. I would have, I mean, really it's, I can see it in the theater (laughs) of my mind, in my mind's eye. And I feel that it is a perfect fit. In some ways, for Austin, but also in, even though these books have been around a while, just for this moment, because I
1: think we we
3: all could use an escape now and then.
1: Yeah, definitely. definitely. Can can there be a fax machine in the office? <laughs>
0: sure, there I has, don't see why not. There has to be a fax machine. <laughs> we have to. Yes, we have to bring as it an back. An homage
1: to when, it, when when the book came out we were discussing it when you can always date a book by the technology. Oh,
3: absolutely. Technology is the hardest thing. It, oh. There are writers who try to just omit it, but then that seems dated too. I just did an update of my uh, debut novel a couple of years ago. Rain is not my Indian name. And um, Answering Machine became voice recorder just there were so many little things that changed uh theoretically if it's good contemporary fiction it can become good historical fiction over time yeah. but uh, there is this slipstream in between where people will reject the book because it seems not current even though it's it's a moving target it's impossible to hit it's one of the reasons um, editors are always telling us we have to be very careful about using slang and pop culture references you know especially because so much is hot in a the moment there are exceptions you can always use star wars you can always use sinatra uh mm-hmm. you, beyonce is like diamonds she is forever but you have to choose carefully
1: yeah Yeah, I think that was probably the only thing in the book, technologically wise, where it made me stand out. Where you would be, it would be email now and it would be quick enough. But I liked it because I like the fact it's a fax machine. Because I remember having this conversation with my nine year old son just a couple of weeks ago about what a fax machine was and feeling ancient. But at the same time, like, even when I was younger, faxes were so infrequent. Like, I think I've used a fax machine about half a dozen times at work, and that's about it. See, and sometimes
3: things come back. Boomboxes came back because they were portable. They weren't that expensive. You could load them up and move them out, and you you didn't have to worry about getting a signal or service. Yes. So you sometimes things beca- you, um record players came back, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, it's more of a niche. You know, there are certain kind of people that like vinyl, but. Th- Everything in time, it, it's sort of the, we are everyone we ever were and everyone we will ever be. It's still us. And in yeah. some ways, the world around us is the same. Yeah.
0: I just feel like I need to let everyone know that you can step into almost guaranteed any public library and use a fax machine. Just just so we're clear, the fax machines at my library system have been down and oh boy, people are mad that they cannot send their faxes. And like, well, we can scan it. We can scan it and send it into an. E-. No, mm mm, gotta be a fax. So I'm just saying. 2024, also, are fans
3: of retro technology. You know, yeah. they in much the same way that they are always concerned about inflation because they remember when cars were fifteen dollars. They are still clinging to those memories today, even though here we are, 21st century. Yeah.
0: Fax machine still exists. I'm opening up a new library, and on social media, people are like, Is there going to be a fax machine? Like, yeah, man. I'm gonna have a fax machine. Don't worry. <laughs> I got you covered. i
1: to die for it, but you're going to get one. Jeez. And I thought seeing a van with a fax machine the other week. As I was driving into work, and I was like, "What? They're advertising that they still have a fax number? Wow! It must be a US thing because I do not know anybody in the UK who would even contemplate a fax ever, even when it was a thing. Because scary form of communication." <laughs> well,
3: you never. I mean, you you sort of hope that it goes to the right phone number, <laughs> right? <laughs>
1: The only person who ever needs to use a fax (laughs) Is Bruce Willis In Die Hard 2 When he has to send the the fingerprints To get them checked to see who the terrorists are That's the only good reason for a fax In my opinion (laughs) Anything Are we moving
0: on to the next question
1: (laughs) Oh this is my we're all managing sanguinis, by the way that that was a blankish i mean i don't even know why we asked
0: yeah there's no point there's no point in asking questions if vampires are involved that is what we choose yes. this next question though it might it might throw you for a loop here because there's a there's a little bit of an addition to it would you rather eat a semi-thawed chicken leg like a popsicle or eat a chilled baby squirrel However, caveat, there will be no salmonella, so that's good, but also no vampirism. <gasps> Boo. I know, I know, I ruined it for everyone just then.
3: All right, no vampirism benefit. I'm gonna go with the chicken over the squirrel out of some kind of mammalian solidarity. <laughs> As you know, chicken basically a T Rex. They've had their time. Whereas we're more recently it's a just it's a little more tenuous, we have to think. Family tree and all. Loyalty.
1: It's the popsicle thing though. That's gonna oh. take a little while. And as you're eating it, it's gonna start thawing out properly to the point where you're actually just eating it like raw chicken.
0: Oh and then shoes like... the
1: baby squirrel is only gonna be small. And you can just pop that in there and swallow it, you know. <sighs> Munches and you're done. That's true, and it's like got a the crudité. The... <laughs> yeah. Yes, with like an odour of baby chilled baby squirrel.
0: And it's also <laughs> got like flavor. It's got the the honey cream sauce, whereas the pops the chicken like popsicle is just. Straight up raw chicken, and oh, when she's describing sucking all the juices out of it, I was like, Oh my god, oh, it's oh, it's gross, oh, I hate it. I mean, you're mm. reluctant. I know, anyways. I know, I am an unenthusiastic carnivore, so I'm gonna be go a I... baby
1: squirrel. I think it will be <sighs> easy, you know, one and done. I don't want to be messing around eating a popsicle that's semi thawed meat,
0: yeah, no. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to eat the squirrel for the sauce. Just, just like swirl it around in there. And that's like the majority of the flavor. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm doing. I mean, maybe if
3: it was barbecue sauce on the chicken, would that help?
0: That would help. Oh, no, You're that right. Would that would mess. help. That would help. Oh. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> no. Cheese sauce. It's Cheese sauce. Oh. Cheese Oh, I can't Jeez. imagine having Barbecue sauce is rank Butter? It's just... Oh, I don't want to lick butter Oh No, no <laughs> so, I'm, just, I'm sticking with the baby sauce. What is,
3: what is your stance on escargot? Because really, that's mostly fine. about the butter
1: Escargot's nice Oysters? I've had that oysters? before, it's fine Not keen on oysters, too slimy
3: Raw oysters too slimy. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I agree
0: with that. I'm not That's an oyster snort. person. Mm-mm, no. Carpaccio. No, hot. I, was... to you. I haven't had that.
3: Okay, so it's basically very thinly sliced raw beef, and it's a, it's a thing you can get it in oh, restaurants. I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine with that.
0: Yeah, I would eat that. I I mean I would prefer not to eat raw meat, but. I don't know
3: sushi. Sash- sashimi. Oh,
1: freaking love sushi. Everything about sushi. I've my my child is a sushi monster. I've raised a monster. He will eat your fingers to get the sushi. Oh. Sushi. How many fingers has he eaten?
3: What? Is your child a human or a chihuahua? Mine. My, my child is a chihuahua, and there, there, there
1: is sometimes pain involved. Um, I'm tr- we're trying to convince him that he's a goblin. Um, but he just keeps turning to me. Mama, I'm not a goblin. Stop saying I'm a goblin. I was like, but I'm a goblin mummy. So you must be a goblin child because you came from mummy. Like, Shut up, mummy. Like, it's okay. Sorry. <laughs> the logic
0: blows, yeah. What is our last would you rather question, Claire?
1: Before I delve into just thinking about sushi and cheese.
0: Okay. Oh,
1: oh no, one. not
0: cheese and sushi. Those not don't go together. together.
1: No, not together separately, but. You know, my art belongs to them.
3: i thinking like sushi fondue. That doesn't work.
1: No. Mm. No. Mm. It's like fish pie. It's a fish pie with rice. Okay. Okay. Anywho. Um, whose style would you rather wear every day? Henry's before he became Bradley, Uncle D's or Ruby's?
3: I, I am tempted to say Ruby's. Although, I'm thinking those heels could really pinch after a while. In fact, I think the whole thing might be a little constraining. Um, Brad just, in the early days, he's just not expressing himself. Fully, so I'm I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Davidson. It's it's laid back, it, it's cool. There's a there's a bit of a Margaritaville vibe to it. I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm based in Austin, I I can down with that.
0: Okay, but wait, are you wearing? Okay, you're you're obviously wearing Birkenstocks, but are you wearing socks with your with your sandals? No, because it's way too hot. Okay, good. It's way too hot. Good. Yeah.
3: But but definitely, you know, some florals, some casual, casual, comfy kickback. I could do that. Maybe a straw hat just for fun.
0: Mm, yes. I think I have to choose Ruby. Um, mm. I just got a really delicious pair of high-heeled boots that I ordered um, in the mail. And they are very dark and gothic and I love them. So you don't want to wear the heels because they're going to pinch. But one of my favorite things to wear is ugly, gaudy shoes. So I'm going to pick Ruby.
1: (laughs) Actually, my argument is if you're going to go goth, you don't have to wear heels. And, you know, I did, you know, I had the best. They were just wedge, like goth boots. Mm -hmm. And they were about three inches and they were just the most comfortable boots I have ever owned in my life. And it yeah. gave me height, but there was no high heel to it. Yeah. And it, they were ruined by snow one year because they were the best <sighs> snow boots as well. I did not fall <sighs> over at all, but they were ruined one year by snow. And I absolutely freaking loved them. And, you know, I, 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 I have the outside of the... How did we describe it before? On the outside, with glitter. On the inside, dark. Yes, You know. yes. Black on the inside, goth on the inside, emo on the inside, shiny and perky on the outside. So goth all wedges. the way. I could yes. not pull off cowboy. I'd look freaking stupid.
3: <laughs> Cowboy's all about the attitude. I do have a pair of wedges that were made... Um, from the Tantalized graphic novel. I don't uh, have them with me, but I could send you a picture if you would yes. like
1: to see them. Uh,
3: yeah, 100%. 100, yes. And speaking of Ruby, have you are you guys aware that there is a spinoff trilogy to the Tantalized series that is starring Clyde and Ruby's little brother, Yoshi and Amy and a new character named Kayla? No. And also... No, so just FYI. I'm already hers. adding it. To my feral Minds, Feral Curse, Feral Pride, and in Feral Pride, all the tantalized protagonists come back.
0: So oh. these are books in
3: a world, just for fun, just FYI.
0: Um. Yeah, I needed that in my just, life. I have... Mm,
3: it's I so am, much Clyde.
0: <laughs> I, love love Clyde. I love Clyde. I love Clyde. I'm so sad because I... 99% of my books are, are audiobooks, and I can't find... The last one, in audio anywhere, so I'm going to have to break down and, like, sit down and read a book. The the, the, pain, it it tears at the soul. It's it's heart-wrenching, really. It is. Okay, well, that one, that's on my list. Okay, good. Thank you for that. (sighs) Now, okay, well, that's the end. That's the end of Would You Rather. I love it when we can have authors on, especially when they're new to the show. Yes. Yes. It's very
1: fun. It's delightful. And I like this one was a little unexpected. It was like a very last minute thing. Yes. So really happy that Cynthia was, you know, accommodating
0: and joined us. And like, pays attention to her social media. Yeah, that's really appreciated. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She was like, "Hey, this is awesome," and she's sharing our stuff and like, "Hi, hi," m- message to you. Do you want to join us? And she's like, "Yeah, of course." <laughs> so that's amazing. So I love it. I love it when we add new people to the family. I'm saying it in an I Italian think, way I think, I and thinking, not like in a Fast be, and Furious way. <laughs> no, you have to
1: be in the Italian restaurant with your, you know, bottle of Chianti next to you. Yes. The
0: It's the family.
1: It's the family. In the family. In a very old stereotype way. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Or or I just go straight fast and furious. Just it's fine. As long as you're not doing the Uncle D. It's the family. 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 No. Sit down,
1: Uncle D. Sit down. Yeah.
0: Um He's dead now. Rest in peace.
1: No. Rest in distress
0: mm. Because we did not like him No we did not You're right Okay Favourite final thought quote I can't believe I'm going to say
1: this one Because quite honestly this is You can tell this is a quote from the book And not something that I would ever say Okay. Will you shut up about the goddamn vampires
0: <laughs> I loved it though I will never say that Never Never Never,
1: never. never. She seems to think being cryptic is some kind of substitute for having a decent personality. <laughs> we all know someone. Yeah. Like yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. And finally, my surprise. Which okay, is quote, yes, yes, please, yes. And it's potentially one of the greatest lines in the literature. Mm-hmm. And I freaking love it. And it has made it into mine and my husband's everyday conversation.
0: Oh, yes.
1: That's my girl. Guzzle. Oh, guzzle! (laughs) Every every fibre of my being. In all the boob language you can possibly translate (laughs) it into. I adore that line. That's my girl. Guzzle.
0: Guzzle.
1: It's just... Poetry. And I'm not being sarcastic. I do not mean it in any derogatory sense. I, I freaking love that line. I no, it's a great Let's line. A guzzle.
0: It's a great line. <laughs> oh, Let's really
1: good
0: Let's have yours. Okay, okay. Do you think that's sufficiently diabolical? <laughs> I love the word diabolical. It's not used enough. No, it's not. Oh, that is the title of the fourth book in this series. Oh. Diabolical. It was real. It was monstrous. And it was me. Ooh. Ooh. Baby, you're a smart girl. You understand you were dead when I met you oh, oh, dead inside. And then I would like to add the one that I mentioned earlier. Hearkening back to bookshops and bone dust, the our, our disgusting conversation about yellow and brown. No blood, but pungent fluids of a yellow and brown nature on the floor close to the dillo yes oh yes. so gross yes. yellow and brown it's oh. horrible I hear
1: everything about that thought of yellow and brown
0: I know it's <sighs> terrible pungent terrible. pungent it's also Just a good word Yes, Yeah. The visualizations. <sighs> okay. Oh, I guess I should say I would lose both of them. Kieran to his wolf pack and Bradley to, what, San Antonio? But I wouldn't give up myself or my restaurant. I wouldn't let the blood win. I just Yay. love it. It was so powerful. Mm-hmm. I will not give up myself Or my restaurant. Way to go, Quincy.
1: Well done. Well done. Well done.
0: Okay. If you liked this, try this.
1: I was trying to think of a vampire book involving food. Mmm. Good. Where the food is not human. For guzzling. Guzzle. Guzzle. And the only one I could think of is one that's coming out next month in February. Mmm. And it's uh, a Tempest of Tea by hafshar uh, Fazal, and oh, I'm I've got. The so, pre- excited. I, I'm so excited! For I'm this so one. excited and for this one! I've got a very beautiful version pre order oh, Of course you do. I, mm, of course I do. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to give you the summary from Goodreads. I know um, we've talked to the super fans about this because as soon as yes. I saw it ages ago, I was like, "Yes, you need to see this." And I know every now and again it makes a resurgence in the group chat. Yes, it does. Anyhow. The summary is from Goodreads. On the streets of White Roaring, Arthy Casimir is a criminal mastermind and collector of secrets. Her prestigious tea room transforms into an illegal bloodhouse by dark, catering to the vampires feared by society. But when her establishment is threatened, Arthy is forced to strike an unlikely deal with an alluring adversary to save it. And she can't do the job alone. Calling upon a band of misfits Arthie formulates a plan to infiltrate the dark and glittering vampire society known as the Atherium But not every member of her crew is on her side and as the truth behind the heists unfolds, arthy finds herself in the midst of a conspiracy that will threaten the world as she knows it It's dark, it's action packed and it's swoon worthy I cannot wait for it this sounds It sounds
0: so good brilliant. It, does it is a YA good.
1: Book yes. As well. Yes. Yeah, it sounds so, amazing. Yeah. It's gonna make it on the schedule sometime. Uh, yeah, it is. Just gonna slip it in there. Yeah. What have you got?
0: I went a different way with my recommendation this time, and I traveled back in time. Ooh! pick up an old YA vampire book because that's that's what this one is it came out in 2007 this Can one you however be late to the party if you've not read it you would be you would be late mm. to the party um this one is from the year 2000 friends oh wow it's an I old one that. yeah yeah and it is jessica's guide to dating on the dark side by beth <laughs> fantasky The undead can really screw up your senior year. Marrying a vampire definitely doesn't fit into Jessica Packwood's senior year get-a-life plan. But then a bizarre and incredibly hot new exchange student named Lucius Vladescu shows up, claiming that Jessica is a Romanian vampire princess by birth, and he's her long-lost fiancé. Armed with newfound confidence and a copy of Growing Up Undead, A Teen Vampire's Guide to Dating, Health, and Emotions, Jessica makes a dramatic transition from average American teenager to glam European vampire princess. But when a devious cheerleader sets her sights on Lucius, Jess finds herself fighting to win back her wayward prince, stop a global vampire war, and save Lucius's soul from eternal destruction.
1: Wow, she is going to be busy.
0: She is going to be busy. I wonder if she's going to work half or she's going to go to school half days and take work study
1: to for the rest I wonder if she's going to graduate high school as well. She, I don't know. She I, I might generally get school. concerns about people's level of education. I mean, think about Quincy. If she doesn't have a high school diploma, she, how is she supposed to be a, rent- a
0: restaurateur?
1: You know? She can get loans and things.
0: I would just like to say, just like to let you know that. As I have now read the second and third books in this series, because I've been snowed in this week, she does go back to school and work on her studies. Oh, thank you And she goodness. really, she really straightens some <sighs> things out. So don't worry.
1: No, thank you. I appreciate that. I had actual, genuine
0: concern. Yeah. No, she's, um, she's getting good grades in school. Good, good. I'm yeah. happy. Good, mm-hmm. well done, Quincy. Yeah, I think I will probably like Quincy
1: more in the next books because she's like, I think she's found herself. Yeah, she's got she's had growth.
0: Yeah. Well. Anywho. Again, anyway. another spoiler alert. She's not really in the second one. That yeah. Well, I she's think in the third the one. beginning. Yeah, you, you said she's it. Said, yeah,
1: yeah. Anyway. Do we have a new and indie spotlight? Because I've totally gone back to the discussion and
0: divert right. The conversation. Yes. Sorry. Um, we do now. This one. We got in an email, um, or actually it was a message to our website, which you can do, by the way. There's a nice little spot at the bottom of our website, fictionalhangover.com, where you can um, suggest things that we read or, you know, just tell us stuff. It's fine. Uh, So this one came to us in November. I'm not quite sure when it came out. I believe it came out a few months prior to that, but it's still relatively new. And the title is very reminiscent of the book that I just recommended. This one is called Jessica's Vampire Diary, and it's by Bob Sands. Uh 14-year-old Jess lives in a small town, loves her mom, hates her grandmother's dog, tolerates her little sister, is dodging a deadly middle school bully, and doesn't like it when people call her Jessica. She desperately hopes her dad will believe her when she finally tells him that a local night school teacher is over 200 years old, has taken over a local state government building, and, with his coven, is turning her mother into a vampire. Before she can do that, however, Jess and her new friend, Stinky, because he always smells like garlic, are entangled in midnight battles with the undead, pet blessings, tanning beds... Blood drives, and a life and death dance party. Stinky happens to be a member of the Van Helsing family, and with his help, maybe, just maybe, Jessica's mother stands a chance of being rescued. I love it. I know, it sounds really cute. Middle grade vampire stuff. But I also like the description because it sounds like the beginning of our episodes.
1: Does, Especially does. throwing in that, that, that tanning
0: bed line. Yeah, that sounds like us, so.
1: <laughs> I love it, I love it. That yeah. sounds really fun.
0: Okay, well, that's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Join us next time as we are live in a chat about the short story The Hitman and the Tea Lady by and with our favorite jackson ford this is the first in a new series of live episodes we're going to do every month that has five wednesdays so we really hope that you enjoy it Look out for our Would You Rather polls and monthly challenges on social media. Don't forget about our book club on Discord. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise, and become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book.
1: You can find us at fictionalhangover.com, follow us on Instagram, Threads, TikTok and YouTube at fictionalhangover and find us on Facebook at facebook.com fictionalhangover. If you like this episode, check out our others and be sure to rate, review and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for our music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.